I had never been successful at anything before. So me finishing beauty school was my first time being successful in any type of education. I had never finished anything. So this was my first accomplishment. For the Marin Council of Chambers, I'm Stephanie Plant, and this is We Are One Marin. We made an appointment with Bishlam Bullock at Salon B in San Rafael for this episode, and haircuts were just the beginning of the conversation. We spoke to him about his hairstyling history, his business history, his personal history, and what he learned along the way. Colorist, stylist, specialist, or is the specialty something else entirely? The answer may surprise you, so stay tuned for a look in the mirror at Salon B as we highlight how Marin works. Let's welcome Bishlam from Salon B, the only black-owned storefront on 4th Street in downtown San Rafael. That is true. So you went from Tam High, and then I read a little story about you <laughs> that someone talked to you on the sidewalk on 4th Street in San Rafael and said, you look like you'd make a good hairdresser. Oh, okay. I graduate not knowing what I'm doing, and I'm doing every kind of job that you can think of, uh, from car washing to, I don't know, uh, I used to manage group home for, del- for development and disabled students. I work for Marin County Office of Education, doing like liaison work for like students that were in TAM or at Redwood who were special needs and needed like a a person to be with them all day. I did all kinds of jobs. And in between all that, I would always be doing my own grooming and stuff because I just never had enough money to go get like the barbershop or Mm -hmm. whatever. So I'd buy clippers and do stuff and do stuff to my own hair. I'd cut my friend's hair on the side, but I never really looked at it as anything. I just did it out of necessity. It wasn't anything major. Um, And I I had all these odd jobs and I just did not know what I was going to do. And I mean, when I graduated from high school a year, three years later, I ended up having my child you know in 93 so mm. so i'm three years out of high school and i'm a child working random jobs and now i have a child mm-hmm. so it was uh you know i didn't really know what i was doing i had all these creative like things that i like to do but there was no actual job and i literally would you know always be in san rafael walking up and down the street and there was this beauty school on fourth street at the time and it was like where the fencing place is. I now. remember. It's called it was called Delu or something. You know, every <laughs> every hair school back then tried to be fancy and give themselves like a French name or you know, it was Delu Academy or whatever, you know. So I'm like, whatever I used to think it was the silliest thing. But I would look in there and there would all be all these girls in there, you know. So I'd go in there and check out <laughs> check out all the girls. They're all decked out and I like peek my head in there and start, you know, talking to some of the girls in there and so I just poke my head You're in. honest. Yeah, I poke my head in and see what's up. Hey, what y'all doing? You know, small talking everybody and stuff. And, um, you know, I was there one day and um, and I was in there talking to some girls or whatever. And one of the teachers came out. I was like, what are you doing in here? You know, you're not supposed to be in here. You know, these, these girls are here getting their education and you need to get out of here right now. And I'm like... I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. It's all good. And so I'm leaving. And then she like stops me and she's like hey and i'm like what and she's like you ever thought about being a hairdresser and i'm like i just looked at her as if she had lost her mind (laughs) i'm like i don't know hard no me like what you know i'd never even considered (laughs) doing hair i never thought about hair 
And she's like, well, you know, Marin County is offering like a, a ROP scholarship. You know, I don't know if you guys know what ROP mm-hmm. is, but it's Regional Occupation Program. It was a federal, I think it's a federal thing or a mm-hmm. state thing. Um, and they were offering scholarships to go to trade school. And the beauty school was one of them. So you could go up there and ask. And um, I didn't even hear of ROP. And I'm for me, I'm just like free education. Someone's offering grants for <laughs> education right. oh okay you know and i was in and out of college marine you know doing the whole like whatever classes photography whatever mm-hmm. i would go to college marine try and do it but i was never an academic in that sense i just i would always just go in start fail not do great um because it was just that structure which is not mm-hmm. for me but i went up to the rlp office and they were like yeah you know yeah we're offering these things and yeah we'll pay for your tuition you just have to buy your kit and the kit was like 300 bucks or something like that and at the time that just that even that was like seemed like a lot of money to me Mm -hmm. um on my own for the jobs that i was doing and the way that i was just spending you know you spend Mm -hmm. so stupidly in your child um so they yeah they i qualified for it and they're like well yeah you can go to school there you just gotta get your kit so i scrambled around got some money up and got the kit and then just went to school you know i mean i didn't I didn't really take it seriously. I didn't even think it was going to be anything. I'm just like, well, at least it's free school and I get to hang around with a bunch of girls. Hey, you know, I mean, that's how I thought about it. I didn't think about it in any kind of way. It's just like, oh, okay, this is cool. You know, whatever. I'll do this for a minute. And that's basically like how it started. When do you think you figured out that you liked it? You know, um, I went through the whole school and kind of understood quickly that I knew how to do a couple of things I didn't know that I already knew how to do. Like I could Mm -hmm. definitely clipper cut. And now I got to practice doing that, which I'm like, oh, okay, I kind of know how to do this. And then so the haircutting part, immediately, I understood that there was something about it that I could probably do immediately and like have a side hustle even at that level like I knew and I was always about that, like, how am I going to generate some income because I have this kid, everybody else was kind of chilling and but I was like, I need money all the time. I was like, how am I going to do this? <clears throat> My kid's in school and she needs clothes and, you know, all this stuff. So I kind of was into it, but not really. I mean, I did it and I could do certain things, but there was a lot of other parts of it academically that were really challenging, like the science and everything about around hair color Mixing color and, and all of that. I just wasn't in that headspace yet where I really wanted to take that on and I understood it enough to pass the, the mm-hmm. little tests that were at the things and do whatever. But then I slowly started understanding that the industry had a lot less to do with all of these technical things and a lot more to do with like my personality and a lot more to do with my, my social skills and a lot more to do with my communication skills, which I'm like, oh, I'm really good at that part mm-hmm. naturally. Oh, this is what it is. So I got to at least fake it until I made it. In this industry, I knew that and just be myself and people like that. And that's easy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I started liking that part, Mm -hmm. the social aspect, the the community of the whole industry, and then also the psychological things. You know, like I've always been able to like talk with people and let them share their emotions and their stuff. And people are way more into that than they even are into the hair part. So that I learned that and understood that really early. And I was like, ha, okay, I'm supposed to be somewhere in here. I don't know where it's at, but this is my, this is my deal. I was going to say, you you might like to talk and, and have it be driven by some of it by your personality, but I was I would imagine you have to be able to listen. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, my experience sitting in a chair yeah. getting my hair done is it's really nice when somebody listens. That's right. That's the main thing. And I had to I had to learn 
um, how to like even now talking to you guys, I've been talking for a long time and I'm aware of that. I'm aware that I'm a talker and I have to like pause and allow people to share. <laughs> um, so no, it was a great training ground for me to understand that. Yeah, it is a listening business. And I'm a really good, keen listener, specifically when it comes to like what someone wants with hair. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if it's about hair or it's about something else going on with them, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Because sometimes it's not about hair. Sometimes it's just about something else. Mm -hmm. And if you can tap into that, then you're going to be successful uh, with this person as far as getting them what they need and fulfilling their needs for the day. And so that's that was something I grew into understanding. Um, so you went on to have some continuing education in, in other people's salons, right? Yeah, so I graduate. I kind of like it. It takes me like two times to pass the test um, at State Board. I don't mm -hmm. pass the first time. And I had never been successful at anything before. Mm -hmm. So me finishing beauty school was my first time being successful in any type of mm. education. I had never finished anything. I mean, I barely finished high school and I didn't consider that a real thing. This kind of let me through, you know. Um, so this was my first accomplishment. And I'm like, you know, I really wanted it to be. And then I you know, I took it again. And I passed it. It was no problem. And then once I passed, the, the schools don't really have a specific way for you to kind of like springboard out of the schools mm, right they give you the education they give you a little thing and they're like here you go mm -hmm. and then that's it nowadays they have a little bit better depending on the school you go they help you with kind of understanding what you need to do at the next level but i had no idea what i was going to do so i mean me you know i know how i know i know how to work so i was like well where is the place that's like the biggest place or Mm -hmm. Who is the most popular salon in the Bay Area? Who is doing all this stuff? And I kept hearing about this salon called Di Pietro Todd Salon, right? Mm -hmm. And Di Pietro Todd had a salon in San Francisco, one in Mill Valley. They had one down by Stanford. Um, and they had this huge organization. And I'm like, well, it's got to be something there, you know. So I don't know what it is, but I'm going to go in there. I don't know anything about the industry at all. So I go to the Mill Valley one and just basically pop up in there. Like, I don't even, <laughs> I haven't called. I haven't done anything. I just, like, go in, open the door. Hey, you guys hiring? You know, kind of thing. <laughs> you know, I'm not understanding that this is an entire, like, operation, you know, like, right. you know, with assistants and stylists and, you know, managers and owners and, you know, specialists in cutting and color. I have no clue. I'm just like, I'm here. What's up? You know, and um, they're like, OK, so this is how the process is, you know. <laughs> Call this number and then fill out an application. We'll call you if we're interested. Uh, you know, and I'm like, okay, mm. whatever. You know, so I follow the protocol, fill out the paperwork, and they give me a call back. And so, yeah, she hires me, you know, and lets me in. And I, I notice quickly that, A, I'm like the only black person there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but mm. I've been, I grew up in Marin, so I'm not really tripping off of it. You know, right. I, mean, I don't care. I mean, that's nothing for me. I grew up out here. It's just what it is. I'm usually the only black guy in the room or whatever, you know, usually mm -hmm. the only African-American in the room. So that's not a big deal. Uh, but I don't know how big this organization is until I get into it, you know. So I get there. I go to the downtown uh, San Francisco um, location, which is on Post Street, like mm -hmm. right on Post, like in the back of that's like Maiden Lane, and I don't know if you know what that is, but that's like that back in those days. Fancy, the fancy, and that's where everybody <laughs> goes to get their stuff, and you know you're right there in the Union Square district. I go up an elevator to this floor. <laughs> And this floor, it's huge. There's like 45, 50 stylists up there. 
knocking it out. The music is just like pumping. Everybody looks super cool and like tattoos and freaking. These are just some cool ass people. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I'm like, whoa. I'm just like, it, you, the elevator opens and you're like on the floor. This is like, poosh. <laughs> like, whoa. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And it was like, okay, you know. And so that's where, like, DPH Todd is where I learned the majority of understanding what the industry could be and what it was and how big it was. And that's where I learned um, everything as far as the business of being a stylist not exactly the financial piece but like how to behave with a high-end client how to be in that room with those people how to dress in that room Mm. how to you got to look the part i mean like if you're selling maseratis you can't be there in a freaking jumpsuit i mean you know you gotta wear (laughs) the same stuff that the guy that's buying the maserati you gotta be wearing that too right Mm -hmm. so it's just like that kind of Mm -hmm. understanding i got there I stayed there for like five years, four and a half years. It's a long time. As an apprentice. Back then, that's like, that was the standard course. Four Mm -hmm. years in, and you're just digging it out. You do whatever they Mm. say. You're... You got to get models and bring them in every Monday. You got to like, you're working for two or three different stylists. You're just running and doing shampoos and this, that, and sweeping. And and everybody's competing because there's only like four slots in there and you got 20 assistants mm-hmm. oh. not every it's not designed for you to make it actually it's designed it's like boot camp it's like <laughs> washing out the cream of you know getting wow. the cream of the crop i didn't like the game the, the competition race. the rat race and i'm like aren't we doing art like i don't mm-hmm. like why are we doing all this and i didn't get it i didn't get it but those people were making six figures and they were doing hairdressing mm-hmm. and they were it was 40 of them up in there at one place mm-hmm. you know because the culture wasn't really me you know mm-hmm. it wasn't who I was, I was a little more earthy. I was in like therapy and stuff at the time because it, I was like, why am I feeling so terrible? I just mm. really, it just wasn't for me. I was eking my way through it, but it wasn't for me. And I had this one guy who I, I first started assisting with. His name is Michael Machado. And, and thank you, Michael Machado, because he, at the beginning, he told me, he's like, look, learn everything you need to learn and then go do your thing, mm. go do your own thing. And I would see Michael making money hand over fit. I'd <laughs> never seen that much money in my life. I, he'd have me take his money to the, to the bank and I'd be uh, like, you're doing hair? Like, are you sure you're not selling drugs? And everything? What the hell, you know? So Michael, I was, and he let me house sit for him. He had two like cute little Italian greyhounds and I'm oh. like, who are you? You know, like, what the hell, you know? Nice car, you know, like Capizio shoes. Oh my God, now you're taking you know that. Okay, you know what that is. Leather Capizio. I didn't even know what that stuff was. I'm like, what is this? Whatever he's doing, I want to do it. And the funny thing is, like, now I actually do what he's doing, but it's just really weird. But I finally left because I just, it just wasn't for me. And then, But that was your listening skills way back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Listen yeah. to some good advice. Yeah, yeah, so... And then you opened your own salon? No, then I left and I didn't know what I was going to do. I was equated to Apple or Tesla or something like that. Um, yeah, I was working at Tesla. I was getting paid this much. But then I just was like, I just wasn't into it. I didn't like <laughs> yeah. it. I just didn't like it. And so I left. You know, like that's, <laughs> how, that's how I felt when I did it. It was like, like what did people I just are do? like, why, why did I just do that? Like, And I don't have any backup either. I'm just kind of like, I'm out of there. I just couldn't take it anymore. But before I went there... There was this little salon in San Rafael. The place was called Shylock's of Fifth Avenue. I don't know if you know about this I, place. I grew up in San Rafael, yes. I may have had a haircut or two there as a young person. Yes, if you grew up there, the owner was a absolute amazing superstar of a hairdresser. His name was August Kamadi. And August 
was a, a man way ahead of his time. He was like a Vidal Sassoon type individual. Mm. And he did really incredible photography and exposés. And he would also do like the Macy's um, windows mm-hmm. and like the the ads for them. And he would he was a, just this other kind of dude. Um, but unfortunately, he died of pancreatic cancer. And his wife, who was a banker, Barb Kamadi, took over the salon. He actually had his nieces working there, a couple other women there, one of them, Judy Winfrey, who actually works at my place now, which oh. is crazy. And um, when I left, I didn't know where I was going to go uh, when I left DiPietro Todd. I was like, I got to go somewhere. And so I kept looking. I couldn't find anywhere. And then I was like, oh, yeah, Shylocks. Let me let me go see what's up. Because I felt like that was a sure bet for me. If I if I needed to, I could just go there. And so as soon as I walk in, Barb was like, yes, come <laughs> in. Back. You know, you're you, <laughs> all right. And now I've I've been in the like in a house with like the top Silas, too. So I'm feeling I got a, like a little bit of ego on me. So that's how I came in. I came in with very high prices and very like, what did it, you know, because I, I knew how to like look like them. I wasn't mm-hmm. there yet. And they and no one in this environment had seen what that looked like, nor had they ever been mm-hmm. in an environment like that. And I feel like that's a key to like like this industry or some of these like younger people that are in the um, industry, which is great that you have social media now, because before you had to pay to get into a place to see what it looked like, mm-hmm. to get the skills from these masters. Now you just go online, you can see what it looks like. Right. You know what I mean? And then you at least can fake it until you get it all down. So at that time, this is way pre-social media, you know, like I'm in there and I just come in with kind of like my own swagger and I don't necessarily know what I'm doing. I hadn't been doing hair color since beauty school. I've been studying hair cutting at DPT because they would put you into categories. You could be a colorist or a cutter, but I wanted to do everything. So I just like just started doing it. And Barb already had a bunch of color that I could just kind of that grandfathered into. So I just started pretending like I knew how to do color <laughs> and was doing a lot of hair cutting. Um, it was a great opportunity for me because it was a good place for me to get my feet wet and understand who I wanted to be as a stylist and a colorist. And, uh, you know, the the women that were there to help me out a lot when I got in trouble with, like, not understanding. Judy Winfrey in particular, who was back then the per- first person that taught me how to really understand some color. Mm. So it's really fun that we come full circle and she's, like, at my spot now, which is crazy. But wow. um, And Barb, the owner... Because that place isn't open anymore. It actually comes and gets her hair done by oh. Judy at the place. It's always this funny thing that we all laugh <laughs> about when she comes all in. That's community, right? Yeah. So, um, but I stayed there for like four years or five years. So I go there. I stay there for five, four and a half, five years. And I'm just starting to outgrow the place a little bit. And uh, this is right when Yelp is starting to come into the the whole universe. Mm. This is pre-social media, but Yelp is on the cusp of like starting to create what social media is gonna be. Mm-hmm. This whole like, and I saw it really early. I was like, what is that? That's like word of mouth, but on like mm-hmm. online, like, ooh, what's that? And so I basically just started telling my clients to Yelp me. Um. And no one was using Yelp at the time. No one even knew about Yelp. I didn't tell anybody about it. I was just like, just use <laughs> this. I didn't tell any other stylist about it. <laughs> um, and, they, and I started getting busy, like really wow. busy. And my income increased like that particular year, probably like four times that, what I had ever made. And I was finally able to, you know, have my own new car and I had an apartment and my daughter had whatever she needed. And I saw that, okay, I'm growing here, you know, and um. Uh, but me and Barb were starting to butt heads a little bit. I was starting to get a little too big for my britches. Hmm. 
I wanted to stay later, come off hours, do what I wanted to do. Mm. And it was Barb's place. You know what I mean? It was her place. I needed to stretch. I needed to do other things. And I wanted to expand. And this is right around the time, too, I had met my current wife, Amy, uh, who is also owner at Salon B. I just started coming into that and everything. And I would talk to her and uh, said, I think it's time. I, I got to, you know, I need to do it. So I started looking around for places and I found a very small, tiny space on 4th Street. It was a little three chair, little like 300 square foot, mm. 400 square foot little little hole, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, right on 4th Street, 877 4th Street, which is right across from my, my current location. And it seems so like such a big deal to me then, but it, it was just this little tiny place. And I just started cranking them out out of there. Mostly I just worked there by myself. And that was great. I'd have like three people in a chair and just talk, chop it up, whatever. Um, and then Amy, my wife, she, when I met her, she was raising her, you know, her two daughters. I was raising my daughter. And we started to kind of like merge a little bit more. Um, she was doing esthetician work and stuff. And then like 08 is when the crash happened, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so Amy was making really great money. And then all of a sudden she wasn't. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, snap, you know, what are we going to do? So I suggested to her that she goes to beauty school as well, because she always wanted to do hair, too. And she's always just an aesthetic kind of person. And it turns out she told me, you know, like, I always wanted to go to beauty school. My mom just told me not to, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, let's go. To, you're going to make way more money if you get in the industry, you know. And so during that time, she um, went to beauty school. And then I started kind of growing out of the, the small space. And then. I was like, you know, maybe we need a bigger place, especially if you're going to start working. I don't know if you're going to be working independently or whatever. And then we opened up the other space, which we're currently in right now. And we've been there for like the last six, six years or so. And that's, you know, turned out to be a a great, a great situation. So, yeah. I mean, that's a (laughs) maybe a slightly nonlinear path. Yeah. Right. Beautiful story. (laughs) It's a beautiful story. Right. And then we started talking about the relationship between the stylist and the client. I have to ask you something from a completely personal, (laughs) sitting in the chair and never having been the person who stands behind Behind the the chair. chair. Mm -hmm. How do you navigate that relationship? Yeah, that's the key to the entire industry is understanding how to navigate that process. Like, what if we need to break up? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that that part's not hard, I I don't feel like. Um, The the best way to handle that is never taking a client that you're not supposed to have in the first place. Mm-hmm. And you never have to break up at all. I mean, I don't know about you, but the first part part of my life, I dated a lot of the wrong people. <laughs> and and the first half of my life, I'm I was the wrong person for them. Like I was mm-hmm. not my best self. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like feel sorry for some of the women that dated me when I was younger. I mean, I was never like a a mean guy, but I wasn't necessarily perfectly suited for that particular person and that wasn't enjoyable for them. The best way to to mitigate all of that breaking up is to have a very specific consultation with someone, um, whether it be on the phone, whether it be face-to-face, and it all starts off with a series of questions that I would ask someone, even Mm. over the phone, before I know if I need a face-to-face or not. How many clients do you think you have? Ooh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. 200, 300, something like that, maybe. And of those clients, do you specialize at all? What if I have a black hair, African-American hair? Yeah, I- for me and everybody that works in my salon, we specialize in everything. Mm. I-, I think that that whole idea that you have a curly-haired specialist or like a, a <laughs> balayage master or whatever this is, you know, is total BS. Mm. Um, because everybody's hair is so different. 
There is no specializing in one particular thing because your hair or your hair, just because I cut a pixie on your hair and put color in your hair, the next girl that comes in that wants to pixie and color her hair texture, her hair character, her personality, everything is different. Right. I don't care how many pixie cuts I cut. I don't care how many curly hair girls I cut. When you come in the chair, you're completely different. Mm. And when somebody need, comes in and says, I want a haircut like Stephanie or I want a haircut like Kalina, you can't go, well, that's nice, right? <laughs> you don't have that hair. Yeah, you may or you may not have that hair or I may be able to get you to that place. But the specialty is the, that I understand that. I understand how to get you there or tell you that it's not for you. Uh-huh. The specialty is being a master of you got to be able to sit anybody in the chair and be able to do mm. your magic on them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you're African-American, you can sit in our chair and Jamie, Amy, me, or Judy could do your hair mm. exactly the same as any other person could. You, otherwise, what's the point? What am I going to be there? What if I'm sick? What if I got to go? Everybody needs to do how you need to know how to do it all. I love that. Um, because that this, this is a world we live in now where there's no excuse for you not to know how to do it all. Right. You have social media. You have every aspect. Why wouldn't you be able to come in and get any service you want no matter who you are? I specialize in knowing exactly what you need based off of who you are. Mm. That's what I specialize in. And every other stylist in my space understands that as well. That's our specialty. That's what makes us different. You I know. appreciate that. Stay tuned for a rare part two episode with Bishlam, where we talk about his Marin City roots. And if you want to join the conversation or make suggestions, reach us at weareonemarin at gmail.com. To find Bishlam or make an appointment, go to salonbsanrafael.com. The Marin Community Foundation generously sponsors this podcast. Our theme music is performed by a student at Enriching Lives Through Music. Elm is in San Rafael's Canal Neighborhood. Finally, a reminder to support diverse local businesses and shop Marin.